for me, it means taking what Jesus said and the way he did, lived, seriously. And say, this is the model for me. Mm-hmm. It's to believe this message. That the world is upside down. Yes. That power, that money, that prestige, mm-hmm. that sex appeal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the opposite. So, Jesus... God came to the culmination of everything that God is about and through Jesus when he lived a life that was not about himself, it was about other people. And it culminated in saying, I'm going to participate in the suffering and the world, not that God killed him, that he came to the world and allowed the world to kill him. The world that says that power is right, that money's right, that getting ahead is right, that being interested in myself is right, says that he let all that killing and say that it couldn't defeat him. Then for us, they can kill us, but it doesn't take away our faith that there's something right, that there's something good. This optimistic belief of the Messiah that God's going to make things right, and we're a part of that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first ever in the history of Skillman Church of Christ that I know of the bonus interview um, post-sermon. And uh, the deal is, is that, man, the sermon, it's a great avenue to talk about God and, and to introduce ideas, but in uh, it's, it's almost unrealistic within a 20-25 minute time span to really hit uh, some of these topics in uh, a deep way. Uh, because some of these issues that we talk about are so deep, so complex, that uh, I think... It warrants a continued conversation, and especially this one. Uh, the sermon for this week is Jesus the Christ. I think, I think the title is Mr. Christ. Uh, that's not Jesus' last name. And uh, to kind of talk more about this and talk through it, I've enlisted uh, one of the experts, one of the world experts, <laughs> Skillman, one of Skillman's own experts, uh, Dr. Alan Martin. And uh, he's going to be here uh, talking with me for the next few minutes. Uh, talking to us, kind of uh, walking us through this idea of Jesus as the Christ. So happy to have you here, Alan, on the first ever. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm not an expert. I'm a neurologist, but I can tell you what a neurologist might think about the Christ. So oh, okay. you'll get that perspective. That's uh, it's going to be a special treat for us. Um, and I would like to begin with uh, maybe a softball question. Uh, maybe not, but we'll see. Is, uh, in your opinion, is Christ Jesus' last name? Of course, you'll see that I don't, there's no easy answers for me. And I would say that over time, in common usage, uh, for many people, it has become that. Uh, And if the dictionary is descriptive rather than prescriptive, it has become his last name. But of course, for most people and most times it has not been and I think the desire is to get back to try and understand when the New Testament writers used those terms what did they mean with the sense that Jesus was a Palestinian Jew in the first century and so were the writers uh, and what were they thinking of when they used the term Christ or Messiah so, of course, to me, it's not his name. It's a title. And it's more than a title. 
it's an implication of idea, not an idea, but ideas that they had in their history, that they had in their literature, mm-hmm. uh, that were important to them culturally at the time. And mm-hmm. they were saying something that doesn't really always resonate with us. Yeah. I mean, walk us through that a little bit. Uh, what, when they, in the first century, when the writers used this term, the Christ, uh, what do you think it evoked in them? What did they hear when they read or when it was talked about, this word Christ, uh, back then? Okay, let's start with where they were. They were, for the most part, poor Palestinian Jews in the first century under the thumb of the Roman Empire with no power. And so they were thinking about deliverance, Mm. about a redeemer, a rescuer. This goes back to the story of the Exodus. It goes back to the story of being in Babylonian captivity. And it's the idea that God would send someone to redeem them, to restore them, that the world was in chaos or disorder. Mm -hmm. It was going to make things right. And they were looking for someone, for God, to make things right. And that's what the Messiah was, or the Christ was. Mm -hmm. And it comes from different points. So different writers, prophets, Ezekiel, Mm -hmm. okay, in times of captivity, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these people are evoking this idea, this messianic idea that that things are wrong and they can be made right. And God's going to participate in making that right. So it's really a bigger idea that Jesus and these writers are pointing back to. Sometimes we look at those scriptures and say, did these match up exactly with Jesus' life? Do they point to Jesus? But sometimes I think it's the other way. Jesus is pointing back, and the writers, to these this idea of God making things right, restoring things, revealing this. Mm-hmm. Some people say apocalypse, not just the end of the world, mm-hmm. but a revealing of truth and goodness and the way things should be. The lion's going to lie down with the lamb, mm-hmm. and I'm going to restore things. That's part of what Messiah is, what the Christ is. And uh, it, I get the, the idea, whenever we read the New Testament scriptures, especially in Ephesians 3, John 1, it's almost as if um, this word Christ is bigger than just the life of Jesus, the 33 years that we saw him there on the earth. Uh, you know, in John 1, 1, I talk about the Logos. Uh, many people interpret Logos as maybe a manifestation of, of the Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God at the very beginning. Um, in Ephesians 3, it talks about how this mystery is being revealed over time. Um, in your opinion, in what you've read, when, uh, when they heard Christ... Was it bigger? Was it was it bigger than just the thirty three years of Jesus? Did it evoke more time? Involve a, a wider span of human history? Yeah, I think what meant I suspect different things to different people yeah. because you look at different prophets and you get a little bit different feel. It's a common theme, but yes, it's an idea of God over history, going back to the Garden. Uh, and as I said, coming out of Egypt and then back from Babylon, that God is going to restore things. He's going to make things right. He's, he's going to redeem things mm-hmm. with the Messiah. So I think they saw it as, 
as big. Sometimes it's a judgment at the end times, but ultimately it's a total restoration. Mm -hmm. And that, for the most part, they frequently talk about an earthly kingdom and, and mm -hmm. Jesus is sitting on a throne, but not everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it carries on to this day. It's the same idea that we have. For them, it's a hope. Okay, and for a lot of other people, it's a hope mm -hmm. that that things can be made right, and that might be that there's going to come a judgment day, or there's going to be a thousand year reign, or that the church is going to evolve today into that. Yeah, but it's a it's a message of hope and a belief that God can make things right, and and I can be part of that, and God calls me to be part of that. And so, I mean, do you believe that Christ is still working today? So I think this is a very important idea that he's alive. As you mentioned, that the, I think the Bible testimony testifies that the, that the Christ and Logos was in the beginning, mm -hmm. that Jesus was the Messiah, and that the body of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, the church, and the people therein are also part of this Christ, that it is a universal. It has been, it was the beginning, and it's going to continue to be. Uh, but I think it's active in life. So I just read um, a book about Frederick Douglass, the, the, the biography by Blight, and this messianic idea, mm -hmm. the idea of apocalypse was really important to him. He was always mm -hmm. quoting Jeremiah, Isaiah, not just as a critique of his time, uh, but as a promise that God would make things right. And we are called to make things right. And he was quoting Jesus. People who use the Bible to support slavery, he was using those as an argument against them. And it was very much like a metaphor for our times in the sense that they were in slavery. And in his lifetime, you know, to, um, to be an abolitionist was to be on the far edge. It was almost to be crazy. But actually, that it it came about in the same way that we see that the life of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection is a way of salvation. So then, the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth amendment, the Emancipation Proclamation, were like freedom for them. But then it's like we're there, but they weren't there because it, there, he spent another thirty years of his life living through Jim Crow and all the things that came about in both the North and the South. And so for us. We see this idea of, of apocalypse, of, of Messiah, the kingdom of God. They're mm. It's the kingdom of God that Jesus is always talking about. We're in it, yes. but we're not quite in it. Uh. So it's, whatever this apocalypse, it's amongst, it's like the kingdom. It's inside of us, it's here now, but it's coming, but it's not yet. And that was the life he was living. Mm -hmm. see, it's an exact metaphor, I think, for, for this, the story of the Bible. Yeah. And, and where do you think, where do you think we go wrong in our interpretation of this Christ in, in the church today? And where, in your opinion, like where do we go wrong in the way that we teach, the way that we preach, the way that we uh, teach the uh, this idea of of Christ in the church? Is there anything that you you think that we've kind of missed the boat on? Well, I think. For me, the key is when, when, when Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about transformation, that Jesus, and the message of the Messiah, 
is about transformation. It's about being, as Paul says, 164 times I read the other day, to be in Christ. They don't even call themselves Christian. They say it's just being in, the Christ, in Christ or in the Christ. And it's about transformation. And, and that we think sometimes of salvation is getting on the boat and getting to heaven. Mm-hmm. But So the story June and I were talking about today, we heard someone talking about Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. So Zacchaeus interacts with Jesus and, G, and he says, I'm going to give back everything that I've stolen and I'm going to give back extra and I'm going to give back to the world. And then Jesus says, salvation has come into this house today. Mm. It's the idea that there is something different. This message of restoration, God making things right. Mm. Something was right in Zacchaeus' life and he was making it right in the world and that was salvation. The idea that salvation is simply some messianic kingdom to come Mm -hmm. would be the biggest message, Mm. the biggest error that I see. Exactly, exactly. Um, You know, so oftentimes... We, as, as Christians, um, we focus our conversations, we focus our attention on trying to make the, the church better, uh, the institution. You know, as far as our programs, our, our focus, it's just almost as if uh, we see the declining numbers of, of the institutional church. And it's almost as if all of our, our creativity, all of our, our ammo, all of the resources we put in are trying to save the church. But, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about this Christ. If we truly are the body of Christ, the emphasis should be taken away from, well, how do we save the church to more about how can we be a part of saving the world? How can we help uh, mitigate or counter this growing wage gap that we see in our country or in the world? How there's 26 people who own the same amount of wealth as half of the world's poorest population, or um, the, the, the issues of uh, the, the rising cost of education or environmental concerns. You know, to me, um, this idea of being the body of Christ, the Messiah, the, the, the writing of, of this transformative story that we have joined uh, with God in, I feel like we should shift our emphasis from trying to save this institution that we have, the Church, the Church of Christ, to more of how can we be a part of a better world. Would, it, I mean, it, it requires faith on my part and our part to believe that the Lord will do those things. Mm-hmm. And it's us to be the aroma of Christ, mm-hmm. to live that. And I mean, it's for me, every little thing mm-hmm. that I do. And sometimes I... I win and sometimes I fail. You know, it's somebody asked me to see a patient late at night and maybe they're not a very nice person and I'm tired and I get a decision to make. Am I going to treat them with dignity? Mm -hmm. Am I going to live by dignity? Am I going to, it's the belief that there is a right way to do that and, and to do the right thing. To me, that is the Christ. It's the right way. You know what? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but Believing that there is a right way, to me, that's living by faith and believing that. And to me, that's what the Messiah. We're never going to make utopia here, but it's believe that it's part of the kingdom of God. What Jesus spoke about is every interaction. Mm -hmm. It's the interaction I have with my wife 
and my kids and person on the street and when I yell at somebody in the car, you know. <laughs> Is that a true story? It, or? It's every <laughs> one. It's true. Yeah. And every one of those things, if we do the groundwork right, the Lord, I think, will take care of the church. Jesus spoke from a position where there was no institution. There was, he wasn't part of the institution. He had no power. And he was speaking about how to resist and be ethical when you had no institution and no power. And doing the right thing. We talked about that earlier. Sometimes it's hard to know how we should live as part of the institution and, and, and part of the power structure. Because everything Jesus said came from the other perspective. Yeah. Oh, man, that's right on. I mean... Uh... For the listeners, uh, and you kind of hit, hit on this already, but touch on it a little bit more. Uh, for those who are disciples of Jesus Christ in 2019, uh, those that are a part of the body of Christ, you expound more on, on what, what that means today uh, in 2019. I mean, you kind of talked about it already, but expound a little bit more on that for us. I mean, for me, it means taking what Jesus said, and the way he did, lived seriously. Mm-hmm. And say, this is the model for me. Turning everything upside down. Yeah. The messianic message, the part that they had trouble with, was he came to say that when the kingdom comes, and the power structure... You know, let's go back to, to, um, to Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. He had made himself a tax collector and became the chief tax collector. And he got to the top of the heap. And Jesus came along and made him realize, to, what I need to do is be at the bottom of the heap and give everything away. Mm-hmm. It's to believe this message that the world is upside down. Yes. That power, that money, that prestige, mm-hmm. that sex appeal, mm-hmm. it's, it's the opposite. So... Jesus, God came to the culmination of everything that God is about in G- through Jesus when he lived a life that was not about himself, it was about other people. And it culminated in saying, I'm going to participate in the suffering and the world, not that God killed him, that he came to the world and allowed the world to kill him. The world that says that power is right, that money's right, that getting ahead is right, that being interested in myself is right, says that he let all that killing and say that it couldn't defeat him. Then for us, they can kill us, but it doesn't take away our faith that there's something right, that there's something good. This optimistic belief of the Messiah that God's going to make things right, Mm. and we're a part of that. Do you think, uh, is there evidence that the world's getting better? over time or uh, do you think uh, humanity is just as bad as it was 2,000 years ago so I yeah I would like to be as optimistic as Stephen Pinker if you read Stephen Pinker he's very optimistic that things and he's got a lot of data Mm -hmm. to say that things are getting better other people say you know that he's looking at a very small number Mm. that they're that that this is a cyclical that that, the human nature is cyclical um I'm by nature a pessimist, so I'm not 100% convinced <laughs> that we're getting better. I, yeah. I think the same issues that, are, that the Bible addresses, mm-hmm. okay, that are about yes. us, about our nature, about us seeking at God and seeking for what is good and what is true, 
always exist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we're changing that much. We're learning a lot about facts and knowledge, and that gets passed from generation to generation and grows. But wisdom and understanding don't seem to grow from generation to generation. <laughs> right? Each person has to learn for themselves that life's not fair when they get cheated. Mm, that's true. And so that's those true. same struggles that the, the stories of the Bible and the garden mm -hmm. on, those are still our struggles. Yeah. But thank goodness uh, we do have this example in Jesus of how to respond. And I think you put it so well earlier how yeah, this is a call for us to uh, to live these kingdom principles here and now uh, today uh, I think that yeah the idea of apocalypse revealing mm -hmm. Messiah the kingdom of God they're all part of this same story this narrative that goes from Genesis to Revelation it's part of the same story and it's a message of hope mm. you know in what can be maybe things aren't getting world a hopeless world you know if you think it's hard to buy into that we're going to get too far ahead in this world when you think of what happened to all the apostles that appears they all appears they all got killed. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Jesus said it doesn't matter that mm -hmm. there is a goodness, a truth, and a beauty that you kill every one of us, and you can't kill that. That's the message, I think, of the gospel. Man, can you get any better than this? I don't think uh, I don't think we can. I think we can make this a habit, Alan. Uh, maybe uh, do this more often. <laughs> Um, anything, last question, is there anything that as a neurologist, anything at all that you, as a neurologist, the Christ message, uh, does it spark anything in you as far as brain function or anything like that to, to close this out? I would say as a neurologist, it's this idea that we see ourselves as rational beings, mm -hmm. but as a, we understand now that the nature of consciousness, sometimes we're really rationalizing. And what we think is going on, our brain is making decisions. And there's things going on underneath the hood mm -hmm. that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And we are not a math problem, and mm -hmm. we are not simply logical reasoners. And the idea that the power of the Spirit is working in us and can change us, that there's something about us and about human consciousness from an evolutionary standpoint, there is only efficiency, mm -hmm. right? And survival of the fittest. And there is no good or bad. It just is what it is. But everything about human consciousness says, my life, even as a selfish, my life is valuable, is good, okay? Mm -hmm. There are things that are beautiful. And there's nothing in absolute science that says that. But our human consciousness says, has evolved and, and created to believe those things. And I think that's a good thing. And the idea of Jesus, the, the bigger concept of Messiah, the hope of apocalypse, the nature of meaning is all about neurology and consciousness. Oh man, couldn't say it better myself. This, I mean, no better way to close it than that. Um, thank you, Alan, for your time, for your wisdom, for sharing with us. Uh, such great insight into uh, to this to this topic. Well, I don't know if it's insight. I'm just telling you things that I'm thinking about yeah. and questioning. Good. You come back in a week, it may be different. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. But Let's it was fun. I enjoyed it. it. Let's do it again. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Take care.